Welcome to the Millennial Therapist Podcast with Mao and Nao. This podcast is hosted by two millennial therapists who are true crime, forensic psychology, and macabre obsessed. This is not your typical mental health podcast where only mental health and social work topics are discussed. We dabble in various topics from cultural humility to military mental health to ghosts to interesting ways our parents use the paranormal to discipline us. El cucuy, anyone? <laughs> Why so many topics? Because we're millennials. To make things more interesting, one is an Air Force veteran and a mom of two. The other is currently serving active duty. And both are children of immigrants working to honor their ancestors. Warning, listener discretion is advised. So welcome back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We are a few episodes in and we feel like things have been going good. So thanks for joining us and coming back. We are going to be scaring ourselves, <laughs> scaring each other. There's stories from our native country because I think this really ties into our childhood of things that have been passed on. Let's get into it. Heard about La Llorona, El Cucuy, El Chupacabras, all of those. Um, there was one specific that popped up and it's called La Pascualita. If you look up La Pascualita, it will be a mannequin that pops up in Google Images and it's this mannequin, it's a bride. One of the things that you start seeing in the Google Images is people take pictures very, very close to her features. So you look at her eyes and of her hands and a very common thing that you'll get from people is that it's very lifelike. So even if you look up her hands, like you know how we have like these little markings and crevices, the mannequin has that. And so I said, okay, let me look into this mannequin. This mannequin, it was, I think most recently, since Sounds like they changed it, but there used to be this mannequin that was in displayed in the store called La Pascualita. Yeah, they have her like in her in her wedding dress and her veal and everything. According to legend, the shop owner's daughter died on her wedding day. She died on her wedding day. Bridal store is actually in Chihuahua, Mexico, and this happened in 1930. The locals first started to take notice that this mannequin was appearing in 1930. So nobody knows how she died that day. They're saying that she got bit by an insect and that like the story is buried as far as he was poisoned because of a black widow or she fell off a cliff. The shop's owner's daughter's name was Pascuala Esparza. And one of the things they started noticing right away is that how much resemblance she took to the daughter. If you look up just like La Pascu or La Pascualita, they'll show you like the real life, the real life daughter and the mannequin. So uh, the corpse bride in the window. No, I don't want to see <laughs> No. <laughs> so it was a regular mannequin, like a just mm -hmm. stock mannequin. And then more and more and more, she started to look like the daughter. Well, when she first appeared in the shop, that's when locals started to say, hey, she's looking a lot like his daughter. Did the image pull up for you? Like kind of like the same hairline, the oh, nose bro. bridge. And her hands are very lifelike. That's not a mannequin. In the deep web of the internet, there's like a story about how somehow this like French magician even got involved or he used to come at night and then make her dance at night. And then some other times there's been, I guess, stories where people claim that her eyes will follow you while in the shop or that like they've seen her change positions like in the shop. Oh my God, I need to close this window. <laughs> 
And one of the things that they also say is that they believe that somehow that I guess this mannequin is actually the embalmed corpse of his daughter. And then I, I saw another YouTube video where it's like this mortician talking about it. And she's like, no, there's no way that you can embalm a body for that long and preserve it. It's, you know, it's, it's very highly unlikely. But regardless, the resemblance of the mannequin towards the real life daughter and maybe some of the things that I guess locals have experienced regardless are there. This mannequin was still up in display. This mannequin is over 80 years old. That's La Pascualita in Mexico. <laughs> That's a good one. All right, so I have one. So this is actually a series of stories from the Khmer Times. They have editors and journalists that actually wrote their own stories and published it. So I thought that was really cool. So this one is written by Va Sonka. This person is an editor for the newspaper and it's titled, Who Was It Waiting For? I don't want to know. Not me. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It happened when I was about 10 years old when my family and I traveled to Sihanoukville. My uncle was working there as a standby doctor at a referral hospital. It was in a district far from the downtown. To save budget, we decided to spend a night at my uncle's room in the hospital. I had to use the bathroom, which was located on the other end of the building. It was dark because the electricity was not running well, but I walked alone anyways because I knew my cousins were waiting for me at the bathroom. Before I reached it, I had to walk past an empty dark room. My eyes casually glanced over the empty patient's bed in the one room, and I could not believe what I saw. Someone draped in a long white cloth just sitting on the bed facing towards me. I told myself that it was not real, and I charged to the bathroom as fast as I could. The next day, I overheard my aunt telling my family that the hospital kept bodies of homeless people who were not claimed by their families. Oh, that's so fucking creepy. <laughs> Oh, and sad. <laughs> that is so sad. But like, that's not the first time you ever hear about that, right? Of like spirits lingering because no one's there to help them like move through. And then I feel when you're younger and you have these experiences, like how do you process that without fear? Oh, if I tell an adult, they're going to tell me I'm making it up or something. Right. Oh, yeah. It's always that. And then at that age, we believe what we see immediately because a lot of times we don't have the capacity to like justify it out or reason it out. So you're going to be like, that shit was a ghost <laughs> or that I just I don't understand what it is. I think children at that time too is more like they follow their gut more because there's nothing else that's kind of negating those those thoughts mm. no thanks that's creepy no, thank you <laughs> okay that's gonna keep me up at night a little but okay <laughs> all righty so this one's another old school one y'all forgive me but i'm translating from some articles in spanish so i'm gonna try my best to translate them because uh, the spanish i learned is a little bit pocho spanish so it's not like the scholarly spanish so i'm gonna try my best <laughs> tale goes that in the 70s, in the city of Celaya, Guanajuato, there was a man, Jose Oviedo, or also known as Capi Oviedo. And he was dedicated to making shows with, uh, what were those things called? Marionettes? Where you pull the strings? Yes. Marionettes, mm -hmm. right? Marionette, yeah. And the street of Hidalgo, right in the center of the city. And so his show was, was comprised of 33 marionettes, Matt, is that even how you said Matt Marionettes? Marionette. Marionette. And, or puppets. Uh, or puppets. There we go. Puppet That's a word. Puppets. Okay. <laughs> puppets on strings. Okay. Thank God you told me. <laughs> 
And so, you know, he was very well known and his show was also very well known. So mostly kids and their parents would come and watch him. One day after the show, he started to notice some like strange things begin to happen. Like, for example, he would hear the steps of the of the puppets or like they would change position or place. And at first he thought like he was making the stuff up. Thought like, I'm just, you know, I'm probably hallucinating. This is probably not real. I'm just imagining things, right? Until one day he found that one of his puppets that was dressed like as ballerinas found them on the floor. Like they had just completed a dance or a show or something. And they were outside their box. So I looked up a video and he, there was like an actual wooden box where he would keep all his puppets in. He thought on occasion, maybe I'll forget to put back all my puppets back into my box so that was the explanation that you know it sounds like this man has been doing this for a couple years and that's like his his, his main thing right highly unlikely he might have forgotten it but he gave himself the benefit of the doubt regardless time passed he completed another one of his shows again he started to hear like the steps of the of the puppets waking him up at night at this time it started to sound louder and louder like they were coming closer to his bedroom this time like it came to mind to come look in between like the gap between the door through the opening he was able to see the movements on the other side el capi very scared he didn't feel brave enough to get up and go outside and watch what he was seeing so i guess he went back into bed and he started praying like our our father because i would be scared too <laughs> the next day when he woke up he saw that all the puppets were not in his box, but they were all spread around throughout the house. Burn them. <laughs> Get rid of them. Give them away. I don't know. Yeah. Are they Annabelle's Dunk cousins? Them. Send them out into the ocean. <laughs> Goodbye. No more. Time passed. Strange things continued to happen. And El Capi decided to go have his puppets blessed at a, at a local cathedral. This was not enough. Then one during one of his shows... He noticed that, and I guess he had different characters for the puppet, and one of them was called the Judge El Juez. He's going through the motions, he's going through the show, when he began to feel a very strange energy. That's when he saw or experienced seeing the judge's head turning 180 degrees. No. And I'm, yep, yep. <laughs> and I read several stories in one video, the judge is like turning his head and he's getting like this malevolent smile on his face that only like I El Capi could see. So there's some stories where the judge does that where he's turning, he's having like this malevolent smile, smirk on his face. And he's turning towards El Capi and unbeknownst to the audience, they think it's like part of the show that he's doing that, turning the head, but it's actually part of the story, like it was not him. Tale goes that he became uh, paralyzed and I guess there, there's some stories that say he went on with the show, just playing it off, like, okay, I'm just going to finish this one. Some other ones say that that moment in time that the show, the show was suspended. I don't know what the word is in English. Like they, it just ended right there. <laughs> and so that would be like the last time that he would give a show. So it is said that he would never go on to give a show with his puppets. And he went on to actually, I guess he put the, like the enterrar puppets underground. I go. Wait, he buried them? He buried them. That's the word, buried them. Okay. da 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 First generation bilingual struggles. So he buried them. And then finally, Mr. Capi Oviedo died in 1984 and 96 years old. Oh, he lived a long life. Time passed. And then in 1992, 
I guess a chronologist or a historian. Let me see what this. La cronista mexicana. I guess this chronologist, Mexican chronologist, Abigail Carreño Maldonado, requested permission from the municipality of Celaya dig in the house where the where the puppets are buried, and they granting her permission to realize these ex excavations. She indeed found the old wooden box that was in good condition. It was conserved in good state. And when she opened it, she found the 33 puppets that belonged to El Capi. He was not playing. He's like, all of you. <laughs> all of you. Let's go. I'm not playing with none of y'all. But something was weird with one of them. It says that the, the Muppet that was the judge that had the that the smile at the show, I guess she found it she found him with, with the head turned and with the malevolent smile draw on its face. 11 of the 33 puppets are right now in display in the Museo de Celaya, the Celaya Museum, and it includes the judge. I want that. And I looked up the suckers, man. <laughs> I was like, I want to see what they, what they look like. Man, I believe it. I believe that that happened to you because if you're doing all these shows all your life, why else would he all of a sudden be like, nope, and bury them shits and then do something else? Right? Yeah. So I believe that maybe there was something going on, yeah. like his, his experiences they were explaining. And so um, when, when I found this story, I was like, what the heck? Like <laughs> so I wonder, because we're, we're aware of this story, did he tell other people and then his story was passed on. But actually, you know, when it was saying that he just ended like the show, I guess people were not, they were not following why he ended the show at that time. I imagine because he was really well known, right? So they were like, why did you stop? Come back. Why did you? Yeah. Like, so fuck maybe, you. <laughs> maybe like the, like the priest was the one that was like, yo, Mr. Capi's not going through a good time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> True. He, came, he came to bless those dolls and I guess it didn't work out. So <laughs> <laughs> like the, the, him and those dolls are beefing. <laughs> so give them some space hopefully they work it out so uh, interesting Dude. enough you know in like movies when like for example like let's say annabelle or like yeah like all these famous movies usually they try to burn the the object or they try to yeah, i've seen people true. trying to get them blessed like in movies or they're trying to burn it or they try to um cut it to pieces or give it away uh, no, not at all. This man just went ahead and either got them blessed or he just buried them deep. Where he My immediate thing was like to burn them because, you know, they turn to ash. Like, you're done. Where burying them is, I feel like there's a way, there's a chance they can come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what's, if they're dancing around the house, what's that to say that they can like <laughs> right. unbury themselves and get out of it? Right. If they're fucking raving at night, like having like puppet orgies or something <laughs> they're just having what's too much fun is what's happening yeah yeah that's exactly what they were just you know what they were just trying to live their best life i i would be like all right you're in the forest now go do your thing and leave me alone and in my house let me sleep <laughs> yeah fuck off exactly yeah and then he buried it in his house no if i was to bury it it'd be like in the river uh, somewhere no not my house yeah so that's the story of mr capi from Celaya, guanajuato and his muppets all 33 of them that was a good one and them shits are creepy looking already like unpossessed you know like i don't fuck with puppets at all or creepy like dolls i can withstand a lot of uh paranormal scary stories horror and all that but when it comes to let's say like annabelle or um or like scary stories with that journal yeah 
object leg no no nope another episode because uh, why 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 would you do that <laughs> why would you do that because <laughs> you're gonna get haunted and die <laughs> oh my god all right here i got one titled a nightmare in the hometown by Srei Kham- she is a journalist with the Khmer times and she writes it was a night to remember when i was at my hometown gathering with my family normally in the province there is no electricity so we use traditional lanterns can candles and a torch as a source of light instead at around 10 p.m all family members were still hanging out in the living room and talking to each other i had to use the bathroom no you just just don't pee just don't do it <laughs> That's where things get fucked up. As you know, a bathroom in a village house would be built separately and in the outdoors. Oh, especially if it's an outdoor bath. Once I, I walked out there, I saw one of my sisters standing outside near a banana tree. I was quite shocked to see her there standing still with her big eyes while flashing a huge smile at me. Ew, don't smile at me, bitch. I walked towards her and her expression was unfazed in a very spooky way. She looked at me with unblinking eyes and I, and I asked her what she was doing there. I felt something strange because she only replied with a big smile and her lips suddenly turned black. Ah! Get out of here. No, thank you. Oh, right back inside the house, girl. <laughs> You're like, I, pee- I peed myself. I'm done. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Oh, I got the chills. Didn't take it seriously because I thought she had come to the restroom too. Oh, you didn't take her her lips turning black seriously? <laughs> oh. After that, I didn't think much of it, so we just continued the show. Although it's normal to sleep together in a big mosquito net in the province, I was a bit shocked when around 12.30 a.m. I saw my sister sitting beside my foot and smiling at me. I found her quite alarming because she didn't look like my own sister this time. Her eyes had gotten bigger and her teeth were black and stained. I asked her what she was doing on my bed and she said she came here to play with me and she wanted me to go outside with her. I told her off and asked her why she would want to go out at this hour. The moment I was about to say more, my Sister, the real one, shouted from the other side of the bed, Why are you talking alone there? It's already quite late at night, sister. I was about to scream because the girl who I talked to wasn't my sister at all. (gasps) And she was crawling forward, inching closer towards me. I screamed and was about to jump out of bed, and then she suddenly disappeared. Everyone woke up from my screaming, but I told them it was a nightmare. (laughs) Bitch. Every element in that story has got me For real? fucked up. She's about to be just like a copy, just praying to our father. Please. Right. Oh my god. I can't. I so creep. That's like my worst nightmare is having some bitch ghost crawl towards me. And smiling. And follow you. Yeah. Yes. Like whoever was outside when she went to the bathroom and then follow you inside the house and say you want to play. What? That's so scary. I can only imagine living in the province and the villages of Cambodia because it's it's very rural. So it's you're literally in the jungle, right? Like there's no electricity that a lot of times you don't have neighbors close to you. So it's really it feels remote. So even more so at night. And then and depending on your family's socioeconomic status, like your house may just literally be made out of wood and sticks and bamboo and so there's no traditional like doors like you can't lock your door i mean so anything can fucking enter that is so creepy how do you even fall back asleep after that 
You don't. You know, she, and she's never slept since. <laughs> Understandable. Understandable. Oh, okay. Wait, how are we, how are we going to sleep at night? <laughs> That's what I want to know. <laughs> it's daytime here. Good luck. <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, the two other stories that I had told you, those are in Mexico, right? There was one story that they all stick out to me because they're, they're very interesting and we'll probably include them in, in the future in other episodes. But there was one from Peru and it's called La Casa Matusista. La Casa Matusista. And you can also Google that. It's like a bright yellow building in Lima, in, in Lima, Peru. And so the house of Matusista, one of the most famous, I guess, locations there because of the ghost stories. Legend goes... That when a wealthy man and his family lived there, the servants um, sought revenge on their boss. He had a bad temper. He used to mistreat them. And so what they did is they went ahead and uh, laced the food with hallucinogenic drugs uh, for a party. After that, as everybody's, I guess, eating and having a good time or whatever, they locked the doors and that's when the servants begin to hear like banging and screaming and there's stuff being smashed inside the room and all this commotion is going on in there sounds like. So finally when the noise stopped and they unlocked the doors and they went to go look inside, everybody was just horrified because they found all the people inside there in the party that they had drugged. They were all murdered in a the story goes and since they were unable to cope with what they did with their crimes the servants hung themselves in the dining room where i guess like all these people violently murdered each other la casa matusista is one of the most haunted places known in, in peru said that a lot of the locals hear screams and weeping from inside the house and actually there was one tv uh, host umberto vera vilches who allegedly, he bet that he could spend seven nights inside the house. No, I wouldn't even do seven hours. Mm -mm, no, thank you. I'll, I'll take the picture from outside and say I went there. Like, that's it. <laughs> I don't know about spending no nights there. But I guess he was later found outside having suffered a psychological breakdown. Shit. After how long? <laughs> it doesn't say how long he actually, how many days he actually spent out of the seven that he actually bet. I doubt it was seven, though. Heck no. You know, the servants took revenge on their bosses. They, they had enough, and so they laced the food with these drugs. Everybody attacked each other, and I guess it was just probably overwhelming and too much to see what was the outcome of doing that. And out of guilt, they hung themselves. I believe where people can say that they've heard like screams and weepings coming from inside the building. That's a gruesome story. That's so, uh, that's La Casa Matusista in Peru. Maybe we'll make it on our bucket list there to visit there. Jesus. No, I don't want to. Now saying no. <laughs> Maybe. I might look at it. No, I would love to go to Peru though. Me too. <laughs> All right, so this is my last one. This is titled, A Woman with No Face. No, I don't want it. That title already. <laughs> so this is from one of the journalists, Somkanika. I would start off by saying that I was born as an atheist and I don't believe in ghosts until I met one, a woman with no face. On Tuesday, 2014, at night around 9 p.m., my father and I accompanied my mother to take her 
necessary documents she left at her old workplace before it was demolished. The company was in a three-story ancient building built long before the Khmer Rouge regime. We hurried into the building on the third story as it was late and the security guard told us to be quick. As I went inside the building, everything was wrecked. Dark and dusty, but the guard gave us a torch. Walking up the stairs, I saw many rooms along the way. Some with doors, some without. Since I walked with my father behind my mother, I always felt that some heavy footsteps behind us and there was someone looking at us from every door. However, I was not really scared because both my parents were there. On the third floor, as my mother turned into the office, my dad and I were behind. Then something caught my eye. In a room, I saw a woman standing at the edge of the window. It was dark, but she was even darker. She stood there in long hair, and I was wondering if she was human. I realized later that there was no one besides us there. As I was caught off guard, I realized I was there alone. Standing there alone in the office without my parents, I was panicking and trembling as I was about to cry looking for my parents. When I looked at her again, she had no face, only hair. I ran until I saw my parents. They were looking for me in the front office. I kept quiet, and I've never told anyone about it until today. I would fucking tell everybody. Watch out for that faceless woman in there. Doesn't tell anybody. She invited herself unannounced in here. She was hanging out in the dark like a fucking weirdo. See, and I think that really speaks to, you know, the Khmer culture and most Asian cultures. It's like you don't talk about scary things because most likely you'll be told like that is scary and don't talk about it you'll make it worse or that they don't believe you i'm happy to have not experienced something that direct but i imagine i think my mom would be like no it's fine whatever i remember there was one time where i was in my room i was like eating chips in bed like a little shit and i like threw the chip bag on the ground and i just left it there and it was like completely empty and i had a sleep paralysis episode where i couldn't move and it was still kind of daylight like it was i think it might have been during one of my naps or something and it was uh still daylight i had opened my eyes there was nothing there but i was like super scared so i closed my eyes because i was like i don't want to see anything but then I heard the crumbles of my chip bag. So it was like somebody had picked up the chip bag and was like crumbling it all around me, like over my bed, like fucking with me. Like, hey, you dirty little bitch. <laughs> Throw away your trash. Yeah, and it was like crumbling around me. So that day, when I woke up, I told my dad immediately. I was like, Dad, I felt this. And he started laughing. And I was like, why are you laughing? He's like, oh, it's just the kid ghosts. I was like... The fuck did you say? Oh, just a kid ghost, man. Yeah, I was like, what did you say? He's like, oh, yeah, you have. So supposedly, according to my dad, who is like a, he's a traditional Cambodian dad. Like, he's a badass. He's a freedom fighter, survived a lot of shit. But he's very spiritual. He tells me that I have these guardian angels around me. Which, I mean, I, I'm not fully against. I'll take guardian angels any day of the week. And he says that they were... They wanted chips, and because I didn't offer it to them, they were annoyed. He was like, oh, just offer them chips or whatever, like candy. And I had been having some, like, really intense sleep paralysis episodes during that time, too. He told me, he's like, yeah, when you have, like, candy or whatever. So I did. I was like, um... And I think, mind you, I was, like, seven or eight. Like, I was young. So I had M&Ms, and I was like, um, ghost children? 
you may have some. And I like put it on my bed for you. And then five seconds later, I was like eating it. And then they left me alone for the most part. I grew up with that too. And my mom told me there's always like a guardian angel right behind me. And I couldn't see it because they're looking after me. So I was like, oh, so uh, when you said that, like it, it, I, it, I related to that memory. Yeah, I totally feel it because it's like that energy, you know, like I always feel like something's like with me, but not in a malicious way for sure, which I think is really cool. After experiencing something like that, like I, I feel like it always leaves you with like this feeling of like shattered. And I think with ghosts, your sense of safety is shattered in so many different parallels and planes because you're like, what I know is my reality, I can control. But when you have something that then breaks all science and dimensions where you have them fucking following you into your home and then can physically be on your bed. There's like you lose all sense of control that way. For real. Well, rest in peace to the souls that we talked about today. And uh, will we keep on bringing you guys some stuff about the paranormal, some true crime, and definitely attaching our weirdness to it. (laughs) Till next time, homies. Thank you for joining us and be sure to come back next week where we continue to explore true crime, psychology, the paranormal, mental health, and everything in between. We would love to hear from you, so email us at millennialtherapistspod at gmail.com with your ghost stories, paranormal experiences, questions about therapy and counseling, or the social work field. And don't forget to share, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Remember, you are valued, you are enough, and you are not alone. Please subscribe and review. Bye-bye. Although we are licensed mental health therapists and may cover therapy-related subjects, the topics in this podcast should not substitute professional, psychological, or medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you are a victim of a crime which includes but not limited to stalking, human trafficking, financial crimes, or sexual assault, please know the Victim Connect Resource Center can help. They are a referral helpline where crime victims can learn about their rights and options confidentially and compassionately. A traditional telephone-based helpline is one 855 victim or one 855 or you can connect with them at chat.victimconnect.org or at the website victimconnect.org. If you or someone you know is in crisis, whether they are considering suicide or not, please call the toll-free lifeline available 24-7 across the United States by calling one 800 273 8255 or visit org. U.S. and Canadian listeners can also text HOME to 741-741 to connect with a trained crisis counselor. UK listeners text HOME to 85258 and Ireland listeners text HOME to 50808. For more mental health resources and support, international listeners can visit the website unitedgmh.org slash mental-health-support to find more mental health services and resources. And if you are a veteran in crisis or concerned about one, connect with the Veteran Crisis Line to reach caring, qualified responders with the Department of Veterans Affairs at 1-800-273-8255 and press 1 or text 838-255. Or you can always visit veteranscrisisline.net. If you or anyone you know may be experiencing domestic violence, you can find resources and support with the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Visit the hotline.org or call 1-800-799-7233.